Hello, welcome to Homeowner AS. Today, I am here with Dale Carmody. And I am, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yep, that's right. That's right. Amazing. So Dale is with Faro Real Estate, and I will let her introduce herself and tell us a little bit about what she does. Take it away, Dale. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I love supporting kind of other women in business. And I think what you're doing is, is really great. Uh, my name is Dale Carmody. I live in the GTA, live in Stouffville. I uh, moved here about 11 years ago. I am from the East Coast. I'm from Prince Edward Island. Um, kind of got into the real estate once I got here in Ontario. I started flipping some properties with my now husband and then wanted to get my own license just to save on the commissions, figuring that we'd probably do a few more property shifts and moves over the years. And then um, at that time I was flying as a flight attendant and I kind of got sick of it, got burned out. 2020 came around and I basically just went full steam ahead for real estate and kind of like a do or die situation. Um, from there, I joined Faro, which is an amazing company. They were just starting up. Um, Freddie Mac started it up that same spring. Um, we were kind of a small group and now we've, we've been able to grow. I believe we have over 50 or 60 agents now. Um, and we do everything from, I mean, land development, construction management, resale, pre-construction. Um, I worked as an inside sales rep of one of their kind of sister projects up in Muskoka selling that development. Um, and then they do like the ultra, ultra luxury, for example, like they have the the listings for the one penthouse downtown at like, what, $38 million or so. So they do a right, wide variety of stuff. But I mean, it was a really, really good opportunity. And I'm so happy that I took it. Um, so now I just kind of I've, I've kind of veered more into the pre-construction side of things, um, helping out with the team at Faro, um, like a platinum pre-construction team. And then I've also kind of branched off a little bit and I've started um, trading in Prince Edward Island as well, hoping to put together some development deals there. So ah, you gave me so much. <laughs> I'm so happy I let you introduce yourself. That's awesome. So first of all, your business is actually kind of like a COVID baby, which I love because I think that COVID spurred a huge amount of change for a lot of people in positive and negative ways and seems for you and I in a positive way. I am also new-ish to the career from a previous career in education, so I always find it interesting to see what came first chicken or the egg? Like, did you buy your first property first or did you get into real estate first? But you shared that with me. Yeah. Uh, but so I'd like to dig in a little bit more about buying your first property. So can you tell me what that process was like for you? And when did you have the idea or the notion that it would be possible for you to buy your first property? So basically, I mean, I did buy my first property prior to around the same time, actually, I think I was doing my real estate license and I ended up buying a property, um, a pre-construction condo with my husband. And um, it was the first property I had bought um, basically on my own. And um, I didn't know much at all about pre-construction then. Like I knew that there was a lot of opportunity. I knew a lot of people have made significant returns on those investments in the GTA. So I just wanted to do it. And I, because I had a really good um, like savings plan and stock plan with WestJet, um, I was actually able to save up like 40% of my salary and put that towards the deposit. And I think I only had to put down like 50K or something in the beginning, which I mean, is a lot or not a lot, depending on on where you're listening from, but um, very minimal amount to what you'd be looking to put down nowadays in the pre-construction GTA market. But 
it allowed me to get my foot in the door and then it appreciated in value over those couple of years that it was being built. And then I was able to kind of build some equity, sell it a year later. And then from there, put my money into my business and buy more properties kind of in a cycle. And le- leverage the equity. And exactly. yeah, absolutely. So this is, I'm obsessed with this idea. And I think it's really important to let other people know um, about how people are making money and quickly, right? Yes, how how exactly. the money is making money for people. Um, and you mentioned that it was more affordable when you did get into the market. Yes. But I work with a lot of first-time homebuyers for whom the GTA is completely out of their realm, even pre-construction. Yes. So another thing that I'd like to explore on this podcast is the idea of investing in a market that is not your home market. So can yes. you tell us a little bit about what that looks like for people? Yeah, who of course. I mean, Living in the GTA market, I mean, our prices are some of the highest in the country. It is really, really tough to break into it, no matter where you're starting, right? So, I mean, it is possible and sometimes a great idea to kind of look at the bigger picture, take a step back and look at other opportunities outside of your comfort zone or outside of where you know. Um, Canada across the country really is um, solid investment in like the real estate market. So, I mean, what you could potentially do is you could potentially purchase a duplex or a triplex in a market outside of the GTA. Um, For example, like Prince Edward Island, where where I'm trading now, and potentially obtain something like that for $300,000. Then you're actually building equity because the property values in Canada will likely continue to appreciate um, like they have historically with our kind of neutral um, banking system here. And you're able to build equity, but also have a cash positive property right off the bat where that's very unheard of in our area or our markets here in the GTA. So now I'll pause you just for a second there, because on the mortgage end, you can actually qualify yourself with all or a portion of that rental income. So if you're buying a multi-unit, like a duplex, those are two rental incomes of which exactly. you're, you're not living in any part of that home. So you could mm-hmm. still pay your own rent and also have somebody paying all of the rent on that property and making a positive cash flow. Go, exactly. Go and then you kind of, you kind of cycle, right? And then, I mean, you potentially gain some equity, um, get it looking even better on paper over time. You refinance, pull that money out, go and buy your next property and build from there without really using much more than your original investment, right? I mean, you can always be putting in more and more money, obviously, but to be able to just continue to pull out, buy another property, get that property set up and stable, pull equity out, purchase another property, and you're generating, I mean, hopefully some cash flow there, right? Where you can either put that back towards your savings, put that into other investments. Um, it, there's a lot of really, really good opportunities that are still out there. And I mean, something that's nice about the Canadian markets right now, well, depends which side of it you're looking on, is that our rentals are sky high across the country. So if you're putting, buying up property or less, but your rental demand and your rental rates are are quite comparable actually, um, the potential for it to be less risky, much more positive experience investing in that that outside market, I think is such a good opportunity that you shouldn't kind of forget about. You don't always have to buy in, in the Toronto area. 
Absolutely. So if I am looking at, say, northern markets or eastern markets to get a more affordable purchase price, what should I keep in mind? Um, things like I know population growth, jobs, things like that. What should I be looking at when I'm trying to source the community that I want to put my money into? Yeah, I mean, there's kind of two different directions. There's kind of like a, a standard rule. I mean, you want a good location, either it be kind of close to um, a transit hub, highways, schools, um, outdoor public spaces, or even potentially an area that has a lot of potential or it's undervalued right now, um, so that you do have that ability to grow in in the value of your property, right? You're, you're building equity um, versus purchasing in a spot that's already kind of all hyped up and everybody wants to live there. Great, but it's cyclical, right? There's, there's this different stages of, of living and development. And basically my rule would always be to try to buy in something that's an up and coming area or will always, always, always hold its value. So it's like right downtown by government buildings, right by schools, right by transit. Um, or, you know, for sure that there's approved developments coming and, and some more infrastructure coming to the area. Mm-hmm. I think those are really great points to be cognizant of. Um, so if I'm looking, I found the community that I want to invest in, but I don't have a realtor. Um, mm-hmm. How would I go about looking for a realtor who specializes in pre-construction, who I know is going to help protect me? Because that is one thing, if you're not familiar with pre-construction, there are certain mm-hmm. questions that you need to be asking and there's certain certain things you need to do to protect yourself. So how would you suggest yeah. somebody goes about finding a professional to work with? I would say um, just just interview, have some conversations, like talk to a few different people, see who you connect with, see who you align with. Um, my little way of doing it now is I like to, I don't like to pressure anybody to, to sign on, say that we have to work together forever. I say, listen, I'm going to send you some, some options. You give me some feedback. Let's see over the next couple of weeks if we like each other's style and we work well together and we fit well, because there are so many people out there. There are different niches in different areas that different realtors specialize in. So I always think the more knowledge, the better. Talk to a few different people, ask them a ton of questions, make sure that they're answering your questions and, and go with whoever you you connect better with, whoever you build or feel more trust with because again it is it's a big investment right sometimes these are some of the big biggest investments of people's life it's important that you trust and um work well with with that person right that you end up working with Mm-hmm. And it's important to note that realtors have really healthy referral networks too. So if exactly. there's somebody who you love, who you've worked with, or your parents have worked with to purchase their primary residence, but they're just not really well-versed in pre-construction, and they should tell you that if, if they've never done it before. Exactly. And ask, hey, who would you go with to purchase a pre-construction? Can yeah. you give me their name? And I think that's a really great, healthy way to support a support your friend's business, but yes. also to get somebody who's going to be aligned with the goals that you have. Absolutely. And like, I mean, we deal the fact that kind of we we have the pre-construction team at Faro, the platinum team with access and the first access to all these projects and so on. We actually deal I would say like a huge portion of whom we deal with is actually other realtors and they either refer our clients or we help that realtor guide their client through the process. So a lot of us, we actually work quite a bit with other realtors with their clients because 
it, 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 the contracts and what you need to be looking out for are so different than a typical resale of a home or a condo. So um, it is really, really important that you know what questions to ask, that you work with a lawyer too whenever you do your lawyer review, which you should always be doing, um, that they know what is the norm in the industry currently for these types of contracts because it, somebody who doesn't practice um, that much real estate law or just not much pre-construction real estate, um, they would potentially tear apart a whole contract and, and advise that it's a horrible way to go, but they're not in the know or the norm of how these contracts are being written and kind of the legalities of, of negotiating back and forth as well, right? And what what we can negotiate, because we can negotiate with builders sometimes. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think, um, especially for young people purchasing their first homes, they forget how much power they have. If you have the money, you have the power. And if something exactly. is icky, you got to walk away because there's so there's just so much out there and you'll find the right fit. So let's talk red flags. What if I'm trying to purchase pre-construction and I what would send you running the other way? Um, one that I actually walked away from myself was um, during COVID. Um, it was the beginning of when we started to see clauses that actually allowed builders to increase a purchase price if building costs went up or building material costs went up. And it was very open ended, very gray. Uh, so it was almost like, well, they are going to go up because it's so gray and so open that, of course, you're going to say that. And, and then how much is it going to go up? So I walked away from a couple like that because often you may not see the contract until after, like right when you sign. And then you use your 10 day cooling period if you're doing it with a, with a condo. Um, you have your 10 day cooling period to kind of go over it, but you're not going to see the contract until you sign. And the way that the process goes is you're expected to sign or you might lose that unit. So it's kind of like a pressure to sign and get it, get your name on that unit that you want for the good price. But you do have that 10 day period to go over all the details and potentially get out of the deal with all your money back, kind of everything. Um, or you can look at it um, ahead of time. So th- that was something that that came up. But for example, I was able to get them to cap it on one of my properties that I purchased. They, I was like, it could go up $200,000. I don't know. Like that's unheard of. Then they capped it at 2,500. I'm like, oh, well, that's- So that was part of the negotiation. Yeah. Great. Yeah. My, my lawyer sent a, a note during the period just asking for a cap or a cap of a certain price. And they were like, yeah, of course. I didn't think that it, they were going to agree to it, but they did. And if I hadn't, I mean, who knows? But you don't know if you don't know. On a $1.5 million property is- isn't too bad, but whenever it's unknown, right? So you do have that control, um, but it just depends which builder you're working with, right? Um, and it depends the demand at the time and in seller's markets, um, stuff is selling so fast or was selling so fast that they wouldn't negotiate with anybody, but in the markets nowadays, where there's a lot more inventory, um, you're, you're able to add some extra benefits in there for you. Yeah, that was that's the one thing that has been a real blessing as the market's cooled a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The return of conditions of financing, condi- like any conditions, really. It's just it's such a weight off of buyers, especially first time buyers, because 
it's it's very difficult navigating mm-hmm. a system that's not really built for you if uh, if you don't have any options to do those negotiations. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's I mean, and we're always as as realtors and and professionals in the industry, we're always supposed to advise right? Ethically and give advice if something is risky, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so important to work with somebody that you know will actually point those out to you and not just try to get the deal done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because let's be real, so many people do. There are salespeople out there that they're more salespeople than, than I guess, like mentors or guiders. and, And it's so important to trust that your person knows what to look out for um, because it can save you hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? You can really screw yourself yeah, over. Um, absolutely. I'm trying to think what else would be like a huge, huge red flag. Um, just like very vague contracts, I guess. Like it all comes down to wording. And, and it, I mean, if you do see something vague, you can always ask. I didn't realize that even as a realtor when I first started. Um, the first couple builders I worked with, they they weren't really up for adding in wording it was kind of it is that it is take it as it is but as i kind of got more experience i realized that builders absolutely will will tweak some wording here and there to make you comfortable mm-hmm. so. and the pro- right professionals want you to succeed it's it's really a team sport we're all trying to get to the finish line the builder wants their money but you want your unit and you both want it to go through you don't want want to kibosh the deal so yeah. if you're working with uh professionals who are have the right intent in mind, then you, you're going to be successful. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed how you were talking about your brokerage. And I come from a background of education. I'm really passionate about educating um, everybody on both sides of a transaction, educating the professionals and educating the buyers and the sellers. Uh, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your brokerage and the support that you found there and kind of how that's helped your career move forward? Absolutely. So, I mean, I was so, so lucky. I'm still so grateful. I tell everybody that I can how lucky I was to be connected with Freddie at the time that I was. Um, It's very rare, I find, in this industry to come across people that really do just want you to succeed. Um, And he's someone that offers... He's, he's a broker of record and he started up the the company with um, Robert Hiscox and Ed Rogers who run also Constantine Enterprises, uh, Maple Leaf Sports, Rogers Communications. Um, so they're very, very kind of prominent businessmen, but the fact that they trust Freddie and that Freddie, they're, they're all kind of in this cycle of giving back to others who really want to work hard. They don't ask anything in return. They just want to invest in your business. They want to see you succeed. They want to pass along these business skills. And it's been absolutely incredible to find like-minded people that actually care and they just want to see you succeed versus looking at the, the dollar at the, at the end of the day, right? And, and pushing pushing sales, pushing numbers, pushing everybody to their, their limits. So I've learned so much about just running business in general, about investment, real estate. Um, basically at Faro, the idea is that you come, we're, we're a very select group of people. We only kind of want like-minded people there and, and people that are hard workers. Um, but whatever direction you want to go, whether you want to go into more like land assembly, like putting together plots to sell to developers, whether you wanted to, to be inside sales at a development for pre-construction, whether you want to do ultra luxury mansion sales, um, cottage, no matter what you want to do or how you want to change over the years, there's so much support behind and there's like no questions asked. It's just like, listen, 
we're behind you, whatever you need. We kind of work like a, a team, but we still get to run our own business. If that makes sense. Right. We all Absolutely. help each other out. No questions asked. Um, but we still all have our own businesses. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Right. Mm-hmm. And I want to commend you because I think that takes a lot of humility to accept that help, especially as entrepreneurs and um, we're, we're lone sharks when we're yes. kind of swimming through the real estate world. Mm-hmm. And but I think I agree that the purpose of a team and the value of a team is just it's exponential. If you're willing to work hard and if you're willing to take on that education that people are offering, which obviously yeah. like you're lighting up talking about the brokerage, yeah. it's incredible. Um, then I think that that really expedites your career. Um, yeah, absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like changing from your position as a flight attendant mm-hmm. to the real estate world? Um, very, very different. Yeah. Um, but it's actually funny because at the end of my like flying career, I was just getting sick of of being in the public. People were getting on my nerves at work and very tight, confined spaces, crazy hours. I mean, there's so many, so many benefits to it. I I did it for about 10 years. It was amazing for that time of my life. But I thought I was getting away from the crazy public whenever (laughs) I got into real estate. But really, some of the most chaotic days of my life have actually been in real estate, trying to close a deal and dealing with people's emotions because it is a big deal when something goes wrong, right? And to calm people down and to bring many different minds together to be on the same page. So I guess I could say I brought my my people skills and customer service skills from flying. And the fact that I guess flying was like 24 seven, realistically, like things could change nonstop. And I think, I don't think anybody would enjoy being a flight attendant if they weren't okay with change, the drop of a hat. And also I think being in our industry, you have to be okay with change because deals change, people change, ideas change every single day. So um, to be able to just go with the flow, um, not get upset or frustrated, just keep going, <laughs> right? And, mm-hmm. and keeping people positive too, right? Like de-escalating emotions. And the way in which you see a change, it can either be um, a roadblock or it could be a stepping stone. And I think that especially in this market, especially in the last year and a half, uh, it's been, it's become a necessity. I know for myself, it's like, okay, this isn't going to work. Let's look at a co-signer. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. It's just a winding road, but at the end it's such, it's so worth it. Right. Yeah, it is. It it really, really is. And people see that too, right? Because they look to you as a professional to be that solid support when they're unsure. Right. So if you can portray that and, and have that confidence yourself, I guess is really, really important. If you have that confidence yourself, it, it they feel that energy right off of you. So um, to just have that confidence and, and to remember to have that confidence. Sometimes it's tough and we think we don't know what's going on or we don't have control because we really don't. But just to instill that that good energy and that we're all going in a direction. We, we all want good, right? And that's where that team support comes in too, right? Because mm-hmm. I have the confidence of myself being a year in the industry, but I also have the confidence that 
I'm standing on the shoulders of absolute giants in my company. Exactly. All of whom are so excited to impart their yeah. knowledge onto me and to support my business. And that's something that we spoke about in the pre-interview yeah. that I, I have a very similar connection to my company and they're very invested in me. And that gives me so much confidence to go out into the world and be like, you know what? I might not know that answer. And I'm very transparent about those things, but yes. then I go and check. And they're like, oh, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And, and that is really why, when I say real estate is a team sport, that's yeah. what I mean. And it makes oh, us all. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think pineapple, I mean, it's, it, you guys definitely have a similar, I wouldn't say similar structure, but similar kind of support system there, right? Where And mindset. I would mindset say. and support. And then basically it's, it's, we, we all want everybody to succeed and and my knowledge is your knowledge and I'm going to help you no matter what kind of thing. I just want to see you succeed. And of course, there's no way for one person, to, even if you've been in the industry for 50 years to know the answer to everything, right? So, tomorrow it's going to change. Yeah. <laughs> the policy is constantly changing. So to have those people behind you and that you trust to actually be there when you really need it as well is is so important. And that's probably why you saw some great success, why pineapple has seen amazing success and why Pharaoh has seen success. Yeah. It's like my little jet pack. It just speeds everything up. Right. (laughs) Okay. So selfishly, I'm so curious about the PEI market. Um, You say you have some projects coming up there. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on in that market and maybe how it's more affordable than the GTA? Cause yeah, I never, ever thought I would be going back that direction in my life, but there's so much opportunity that I see now with the experience that I have. I am just like every day I get on um, MLS or the computer and I'm looking at all the different properties and looking up the land registry and who owns what because they've just recently changed some of the foreign buyers. So originally there was exemptions in PEI, which people weren't aware of because it was outside of the census agglomeration. Is that, I think that's the word. <laughs> yeah, the census little outside of the $100,000 or 100,000 population little nook. So there was one in Charlottetown, one in Summerside, and all the rural areas were excluded from the buyer ban. So like people didn't know this, but you could be still potentially purchasing water from property, um, beautiful, like which is in demand for these foreign buyers. So there's a huge, I mean, there's a shortage of, of housing everywhere across the country. But for example, in the summer, the University of Prince Edward Island sent notices to students, like non-resident students, if you don't have housing already, you should think about um, postponing a year because there's literally like minus, like there's no, there's zero vacancy. Like there's no housing for anybody. So, I mean, that has pushed rental prices up, which I mean, has pushed purchase prices up. And I don't know, I think they've seen like 43% increase still like to this date over the past couple of years. Wow. In values of homes. But I mean, you could get a standard um, home in, in the city or in one of the suburbs for, I'd say, like four or five hundred thousand. Like beautiful, beautiful homes, um, very safe neighborhoods. Um, you're driving basically everywhere on the island. There's not really that much transit. Um, less taxes, significantly less taxes. And there's a lot of government grants for like renovations building um, rental units. Um, There's just so much money that they're constantly pumping in because of the low income there. Um, 
and the fact that it's rural, there's there's just a lot of, yeah, a lot of opportunity, a lot of vacant land, a lot of development happening. So I'm focusing more on the land and, and land banking right now and hopefully getting some, I would love to do like a tiny home subdivision. That's kind of my end goal over the next couple of years. Job, I always talk about that. <laughs> I see these I because it's so funny. Mobile homes are difficult to finance. Um, but I say, oh my gosh, if somebody owned the land, if, if we could finance tiny homes. And I think of my friends, especially those that don't have children, I'm thinking they they would all love to live in that kind of community. I think that's brilliant. And especially with our like aging population in Canada, there is such a need for maintainable homes that are up to a certain standard um, for, for our aging population. Um, so I, I do just see that as a really great um, I guess, solution. Creative solution. Yeah. And trust me, I live in Muskoka. I know all about the aging population. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. So, yeah. I mean, that that's something that I'm, I'm really, really kind of pushing and working on. But I mean, I just see so much opportunity out there because there's the, the tourism market. There's a new med- medical school that's coming there. Um, there's a lot of innovation for um, like pharma and for renewable energy. So, can get a lot of money from the government, like grants that you're not paying back to move there or build there. We love free money. We love free money. That's amazing. Well, Dale, I have to wrap up. Zoom is telling me they're going to shut us down. But (laughs) before I let you go, where can people find you? Um, You can find me at um, probably the easiest would be Instagram because I have my LinkedIn bio from there. So if you find me at Dale Carmody Realtor, um, on Instagram, or I think Dale Carmody Realtor on Linktree as well. Uh, that's probably the easiest one. I will um, link it in the bio for everybody to make it yeah, easy. And um, my, my phone number, contact information's there, and I'm happy to help anybody out. I, I love to just chat and, and give some advice too. So very cool. Well, I look forward to speaking to you in the future to see what's going on in PEI because I know that some, I see the wheels turning. Something's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate you giving the time. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely to connect with you and uh, see you soon. My pleasure. <laughs>